Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks so much for listening to Your Working Life, my podcast series featuring thought leaders in the career and personal growth arena. I know that you spend a significant portion of your life at work, so I'm on a mission to provide you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. And I'm especially excited about my wonderful guest today. Denise Restauri is with me. Denise, welcome to the show. Thank you, and so happy to be here. Thank you. I am too, my dear. I've been eager to interview you. We are kindred spirits in many ways because we're passionate about empowering women, and I want to tell my audience all about you. Denise is the founder and CEO of Girl Quake and a Forbes contributor, and you amplify the voices of girls and women by giving them platforms to redefine the notion of power and create a global force for positive change. Denise, you're also the author of the Forbes book, The Roaring Thirties, Brutally Honest Career Talk from Women Who Beat the Youth Trap. Love, love, love that. You're also the executive producer of the inaugural Forbes Women's Summit, and you serve on the boards of female-led organizations, and you've been named to numerous people-to-watch lists, including 21 leaders for the 21st century. So Denise, welcome. I'm, I'm just so ecstatic that you're with me today. And I am, I'm more excited than you, I think. Good, 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 good. Okay, my dear. Well, we can feel the energy, right, over the uh, cyber waves. So let's get right down to the book, The Roaring Thirties, Brutally Honest Career Talk from Women Who Beat the Youth Trap. How did this book come to pass? I was one, it was late one night and I was thinking about women in their 30s. I was writing a post for for Uh Forbes.com and I thought, what, who do I know in their 30s that I may not know about? Who do I know? What do I want this post to be? And I was really tired. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning. So I couldn't call any of my friends. And right, I right. thought, I'll just Google. Now, we can debate my Google search, but this is not about you know, my Google search. But I Googled successful women in their 30s. And all that came up were articles about women in their 30s dating or looking for a husband. And I thought, oh, my God, this is crazy. Women have to be looking for more or doing more. I mean, I know women in their 30s, and they're doing so much more than just thinking about finding a date. So I thought, has the media, have we skipped this decade? Are we really focused on the under 30s and the over 40s, the power women? And then, you know, and I, I thought, well, is it me? So I reached out to some other women and women in their 30s and asked them, are you also seeing this lack of media coverage for women in their 30s? And one woman who um, is said to me, she's in her 30s, she said, yes, being in your 30s is a barren wasteland of ambition without recognition. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And I, that was one of those, you like, you're like, wow. It's like startling. Yeah. Yes. It's like, how, you just can't let that sit there. Right. I mean, you yeah. have to do something with that. So I had been talking with Forbes about writing a book. And that was that moment where I said, this is the book. I want to write the book about women in their thirties. I want to give them the platform to have, to, to be able to talk. I didn't know what the book would be about. And then I wrote, I, I was having breakfast with another woman in her thirties and I said, describe yourself to me. And she said, I'm brutally honest. 
Yeah. And that's when I, that was that bingo moment yeah. where you say, okay, that's what the book's going to be. Brutally honest stories from women in their 30s. Well, I'm so glad you wrote it. I think it's especially important. I wish I had it when I was in my 30s. I'm now in my 40s, but I'll tell you, that is such an important decade in a woman's life. But I, I get exactly what you're saying. There's a void where we're not paying the attention that these women deserve. So bravo to you for shining a spotlight. Well, they, and I'll tell you one of the other things that, that I want to share too that it's really, I think it's so impactful because the stories of these women will impact people, women, men of all ages, women in their 20s, it gives them a prep as to what's coming up. For women in their 30s, it shows them who, who's out there, what are they doing? Am I an outlier? Am I similar? And for those of us that are past in our 40s and beyond, it gives us that insight into what's going on with those women, whether they're our daughters, our nieces, or their employees, or people that we've worked next to. I agree. There's a multi-generational reach. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that it's applicable for men, too. I, I, you and I certainly work in the women's space. But I, I believe that what we have to share is equally important for men. And frankly, a lot of the men that listen to what we're saying and what we're writing appreciate how they can use that information to help navigate their personal relationships, their professional relationships. So it's, it's absolutely crossing boundaries in a beautiful way. Yes. A gentleman, um, Dan Benna, who I sit on a board with, read the book. He's 51 years old. Mm -hmm. And he read the book for me. That was his reason, right? He was like, okay, I want to read the book because he wrote it. <laughs> and I appreciate that. He's a great friend. And I appreciate that. And But then after, he posted a review on Amazon that I was just tickled about because he said, I, I first read it and I thought, what can a 51-year-old man learn from 30-year-old women? And my answer is a lot. A lot. Yeah, that's great. So Denise, walk me through, give me an example or two of the type of women in the book. Yes, I, I really worked hard on trying to get as varied, um, as many women as possible with different backgrounds, different lifestyles, different careers. So an example would be in how they got there in their careers. Yeah. So it's all about successful women. But success, it depends on what you define success to be. Um, you have Kat Cole, who is now 36. She defines herself as a woman with inner fire, and I have to agree 100%. When she was 32, she became president of Cinnabon. Right. Her story is she grew up very, very poor with, in, in, in the money category with a mom and two sisters. They had $10 a week for groceries for all, all of them. Um, Kat went on and worked at Hooters in high school and college. And while she was in college, she got an offer from Hooters to go to Australia to launch Cinnabon there, um, to launch a Hooters there. Mm -hmm. She dropped out of college, worked really hard at Hooters, and kept getting promoted. As she said, whenever someone didn't show up for a job, I took that job. You know, it, it was like if the, if the cook didn't show up, it was like, I'll do that. She'd I do can it. do that right. today. She just jumped in and she learned the business inside out and backwards. And, and when she was 32, she became president of Cinnabon. And that's huge. I mean, she was only 32. Yeah. And in the book, she shares so many great stories about, it's not all, you know, these stories are not sugar-coated narratives. 
it's all about how I got there, the good and the bad, what I went through, and how do you take what I've learned and you apply that so it helps you navigate. So you have Kat, who became president of a billion-dollar company when she was 32. You have Rebecca Huang, who defines herself as an idealist. She's an entrepreneur in Silicon Valley, truly living in a man's world. And she takes us through what a week could look like to her. And um, you know, Rebecca, unlike Kat, Kat now has her MBA. Even though she dropped out of college, she's gone on to get her MBA. Rebecca, um, what has she's on, as she calls it, a leave of absence from her PhD at Stanford. <laughs> um, she went to MIT. She was named one of MIT Tech Reviews. She was their 35 innovators under 35. And she really talks about what it's like living in a man's world and how that is changing and what's not changing, and what it's like being a young female in that world. And then you have Shannon Galpin, who has is now 39, so she's gone through the 30s and is able to reflect on many things. But Shannon's story is, um, it's, it's just so, it pulls at your heartstrings every moment of it. When she was 19, she was raped and left for dead. And she reported it, but she didn't talk about it. And 10 years later, she had given birth to her daughter, her first child, and her sister, in a totally different state, was raped on a college campus. And that was when Shannon said that that was her catalyst, that was her aha moment of saying, I want to do something to help empower women and to work against violence against women. And she took action. I mean, like action that... That is very um, different than most people would take. She sold her home, took loans out against her car, and went to Afghanistan. Because that is the worst country. It's ranked the worst country in the world for women as far as violence against women. And since then, she has helped many women. She now takes mountain bikes to Afghanistan, helping women learn how to bike. She's She's training young girls to bike with the goal of one of them being in the 2020 Olympics. And this is huge because Afghanistan is a country where a bike is taboo for women. You have to ride side saddle. So she's training these young women that are now on a biking team, which it's, and the power that biking gives you when you think about it, it takes you away from violence if you're in that situation. And it also takes you to opportunity to be able to get jobs, to be empowered. Sure, it gives she you the ability. Yeah. daughter, and you know she um, she she really when we asked her when I asked her, do you ever want to go back to a normal life? Her response was, you know, do I really? Is it? I have a responsibility as a mother and a global citizen, and is an easier life what I really want? Wow. Wow. And then you and then you have an attorney um, who found her support system via Twitter, became a partner of a national law firm when she was 32, a woman who he prayed loved her life when she hit the wall, <laughs> a woman who walked across the stage to get her law degree with her 12-month-old baby in her arms and then discovered she hated being in law and reinvented herself. So we have women from all different pieces and walks of life. 
I love it. I love it. And I love the authenticity and the genuineness that these women shared their story with you. And, and now with us, you know, we can all learn from that, but they, they were willing to get vulnerable. They were willing to keep it real. So I thank you for that because that had a lot to do with you and, and how you interacted with them. So bravo, bravo. Denise, you know, I find it really interesting. Your book gives us, the reader, so many lessons. And I would love for you to share a few that really resonated with you. And and these lessons, I believe, are for women and men. Yes, definitely for women and men. You know, my biggest learn, my biggest lesson, and this applies through all decades, but it really hit me as I, I interviewed over 100 women in their 30s, is that they contain multitudes. And we can't, as much as we want to, we can't categorize them and put them into a tidy little box. First of all, they would never allow themselves to be right. put in a box. Yeah. Right? But, and that's a good thing. But we have to give voice to them. They're very, they're doing amazing work. And we have to stop with the do this, be this mindset and embrace them for their differences. And one of the biggest things for me was thinking about how we do that with millennials, we do it with boomers. We want to put all. We want to put people into this box, and we can't. We just really have to look at them as individuals. Now, having said that, there were many things that I learned about them that they have in common. Um, they, you know, that one of the things that keeps them up at night. The two main things that keep them up at night are finding balance, and their finances. Yeah, yeah. They want to live their passions, and they can't always afford to live their passions. They, most of them aren't too worried about paying the bills. Um, they're in that, they're, they're successful women and they're in that position, but it's more that they're worried about their finances as to, will they have enough to help do the things that they're, to live their passions Yeah. more yeah. than can I pay the monthly bills? They're, one woman in particular pointed this out, but many of them said it indirectly is that are they living a midlife crisis in their 30s? Well, it's interesting, right? Because we're living longer, healthier lives, which is wonderful. But, you know, the traditional midlife crisis in your 40s or 50s seems to be skewed now. So are they? Yes. And when you when you listen to them, really listen to them, you're hearing, I, I heard a lot of that. A lot of were either in delayed adolescence hmm. or excelled adulthood. Wow. And when you combine those two, it gives a new definition to midlife crises, and it puts them smack in the middle, that we were talking about their decade, women in their 30s and men in their 30s, going back home to live. Right. I was a little surprised at that because you read a lot about the 20-somethings, but not the mid-30s. And as I was having that moment, I guess that look on my face that I... She was able to read right through me. She, <laughs> they're very. She, she looks at Christina. Um, said to me, "You know, it's not so much what you think. It's not because the thirty-something can't manage their lives. It's because their parents need their help. Yeah, the parents are the ones that are having the financial problems or the health problems." And she said, "A lot of us, our parents gave birth when they were older." So they're now at an age where you know, I'm, I, where they're aging faster in our lives than in the past generations. 
So with my mother gave birth when you know she was 30 in her mid 30s and I, she's now approaching 70. They're a health problem. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's an awesome responsibility in your 30s to have parents to take care of. Wow. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about failure, Denise. You know, I, I, I think failure is good for us. And I believe in the concept of failing forward. And I'm all about taking risks. But how do our 30 somethings feel about failure? They are all over the board on failure. <laughs> but, but there's one thing they agree on is that most of them said that failure is good. But when I explored that, what I found was this translation, failure is good only if you make it good by failing forward, which is okay. a good thing. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. Right. So it wasn't that, you know, let's, let's walk around saying, oh, let's fail. Isn't right. that great? Right. It was how do we make that work for us? So um, are they taking risks, though? I, you know, or, or is it just that they're learning from mistakes or both? They're, they're very much taking risks. They and, and both and, and they're learning from mistakes and they're using those oppor- they're, they're using what we could look at and say it's a failure as an opportunity. Yeah. So if you look at Debbie Sterling, who is the founder of Goldie Blocks, she was told she went to Toy Fair and Goldie Blocks is the is the toy for young girls around STEM, around right. science, technology, right. engineering and math. And it was um, it made the Super Bowl last year as a ad um, that she won, and it got a lot of publicity. And it's it's a great it's great. It's, it really is building blocks in a, with technology for little girls. And but she said that she took it to Toy Fair, and everyone said, you know, this is this isn't going to work. Construction toys for girls don't sell, and wow. you just can't fight nature. So she was disappointed that they didn't believe in her idea. And she was also very disappointed that they didn't believe girls needed or deserved more than what was currently being offered to them. But she knew that when she was a kid, if she had Goldie Blocks, she may have considered being in, going into engineering earlier. So she didn't give up. And so she crowdfunded on Kickstarter and she raised almost $300,000 to fund her production. And so when, you know, even I think a lot of times we look at the big, pe- the big guys, so to speak, and you know, at the big companies, the big organizations, and they say this is a bad idea, and we walk away with our tail between our legs and thinking, oh, my idea really sucks. It's really not that good. So I think in Debbie's case, she really believed in it, and I think you see that in a lot of the women in their 30s. They, at least you know, the women that I met with, the successful women, they, they used their 20s as a real as a decade to learn. And they've taken those learnings and are saying, okay, now how do we do make our 30s smarter? Incredible. Love it. It's inspiring, you know, because you can see the progression. It seems to me that they, they've taken on an awesome responsibility that's quite beautiful. You know, they're, they're old souls in a way. It seems like women today in their 30-something decade are much more responsible. They're high achieving where it was postponed to a later point in life. Perhaps that's just anecdotal on my end, but it seems like the 30-somethings are doing extraordinary things. Oh, and they are. And one of the things, even if their nine-to-five jobs, so to speak, aren't about changing the world or fixing the world's most vexing problems, they're all involved in it in some way. And many of them want to be involved in it by actually experiencing it. 
So they go on trips. The women in the book have gone to Rwanda, Haiti. I mean, you could just list off the, the, you know, the countries they've been to to see what's going on, to see how they can make a change, whether it's in money, whether it's time, whether it's skill, whatever it is. They they want to they want to fix the world. They want to be change agents. Love yes. it. So let's talk a little bit about social media and and specifically professional social media. So I'm thinking of LinkedIn. Are they using LinkedIn? Are they connecting? Are they expanding their networks with this tool and others? Yes, yes. They they definitely use LinkedIn. They are very good about keeping their LinkedIn profiles up to date. As a matter of fact. Two of them updated my profile with being the author of the book for me. I just loved it. I Brilliant. Loved it. Yes. Like, very good. There, very there good. are a few other jobs I need to get done. So <laughs> but, you know, more importantly is their LinkedIn profiles are very complex. It's, you, you think about it, they're, the majority of the women are in the book are between 33 and 38. And most of a lot of them went to school, went to college, grad school, so they haven't been in the workforce all that long. Right. And their LinkedIn profiles are very complex because what they've done is when they're unhappy with something, they've learned, especially in their 30s, to not stick with it, to move on, that there's something else. But more importantly, they're doing more than one thing at one time. Yeah. So I they, bet those reflect at, their profiles, right? That they're just this mosaic of experiences. Yes, yes. And one of the women in the book, Leslie Graff, who is has many different titles, an artist including one of them, talks about she could never answer that question. What yeah. do you want to be when you grow up? And she thought, why am I shackled by one thing? Right, right. Good for her. Very liberating. And she can tell that story. Yes, Brilliant. So let's talk about the proverbial biological clock. Now, the reality is women are having children when they want to, but how does this affect our 30-somethings? Yes. Now, they were, this was a tough one to get. There was no one answer. And and what I really, once again, learned something here is that you can't make any assumptions. A woman who is 38, mother of five, ages one through 10, master's, I would think that the biological clock is not impacting her at all. But yet she says it is. Really? Wow. Yes. In and that she wanted more children? Tell me tell me what her take was. Yes, that she has she's not done yet and, okay. and, and that it's still impacting her. That okay. she, she has she has given up and she continues to give up things because of the biological clock. And whether it's not, what, there's two things, whether she wants to have more children or taking care of her five children, yeah. she had yeah. those five children in her late 20s, early 30s, and up to 37, and now that, the, that biological clock is still impacting her. Wow, wow, interesting. Were there any of the women in the book who, who said, I don't want children, at least not now? Yes, yes, some of the, yes, some said they do not want children. Others said they you know, do want children, but they are then, and I think a few, a few of them that are married want children in that 33 to 36 year old range, but they say it's not impacting them. They will figure it out, adoption being one option. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. It must have been such a joy to interview these women. How was that experience for you? Oh, it was, it was wonderful. It, it, and it was wonderful from the moment it began 
And we're still in touch. We're thinking about starting the Roaring Thirties, their Roaring Thirties club. Ah, that's great. <laughs> that's great. And we, we don't know if it's a camp or a club. We're not sure what it is. But in serious, it's, it's been wonderful. I have learned so much. And I've used th- what they've taught me. I realize now when I'm speaking, I'm quoting them. Yeah. yeah. I'm saying things like, well, you know, as Kat Cole said, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and I, I so I, I take that and think I really learned something because I wouldn't be quoting them, right? If, if yeah, it didn't it, resonate with it me. resonates with you. So, if you could distill one major takeaway, Denise, what might that be? And I'm sure there are thousands, but what what's one of your favorites? A takeaway in in which way? In in what you learned from these women in their roaring thirties. That though, there's there are just so many. Um, my biggest takeaway is that they are, they define themselves with many words and they are all of those. They define themselves with, with inner fear, adventure, um, idealist, passionate. They are caring. They're fearful. They're fearless and they're fearful, yeah. but they're yeah. using that fear in a good way. They, um, I think they're they're daring, they're bold. So there's not there there isn't that one learning except that learning is that these women are all of those things, but yet they're still afraid of what's to come. Got it. Got it. They're Roaring 30s, brutally honest career talk from women who beat the youth trap. Denise Rastari, how can we buy your book? Well, that's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> on Amazon.com, available on iBook by Apple, and on Vook, V-O-O-K. Excellent. Excellent. And you have some incredible material that you're putting out in the social media sphere. How can we follow you online? Yes. So you can follow me on Forbes.com and just Google my name. You can just Google Rastari, Forbes.com, or Girlquake, Forbes. It'll all come up. Excellent. You are easily findable in the social media sphere, and that's a wonderful thing. Denise, what a joy to have you on the show tonight. As I said, we are kindred spirits. I have learned so much from you. I love the book. I highly recommend it to all of our listeners, and I hope that our professional paths cross in person someday soon. I would love that, Caroline. Well, you take good care. Have a great rest of the day, and again, thanks for sharing your time. Thank you. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in to Your Working Life, where my goal is to help you design your career destiny so it doesn't happen by default. True career and life satisfaction is really possible, and it's time to embrace what you love doing so you can do more of it. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Take good care.